passages are referencing the same event, the same story in Scripture in the history of the nation of Judah. In 2 Kings chapter number 18, I want you to read with me, follow along, beginning with verse 19. It says, And Rabshakeh said unto them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah, Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria. What confidence is this, wherein thou trusteth, trustest? Verse 20, thou sayest, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Now behold... Thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt, on which if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, unto all that trust on him. But if you say unto me, we trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altar altars Hezekiah hath taken away and hath said to Judah and Jerusalem, ye shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Let's skip to verse 28. It says, Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Rabshakeh, this message from Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, is don't let Hezekiah trick you into trusting his God. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you and trick you into trusting the Lord. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 7 and 8, this is Hezekiah's response and what he told the children of Israel. 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse number 7, says, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with them. For there be more with us than with him. And he wasn't talking about numbers here. He wasn't talking about armaments. He wasn't talking about soldiers. He was talking more power with us than there is with him. Verse 8, With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Hezekiah said, they are trusting in the arm of flesh, but we are trusting in God. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to just preach for a few moments on this subject. The subject is trust. Trust. Hallelujah. Put your Bibles down. Let's let's talk to the Lord for a minute right now. Jesus. 
We thank you for your mercy and kindness and blessings to us, Lord God, for the way you have shown yourself mighty on our behalf. Lord, I thank you, God, because you're great and greatly to be praised. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, we worship you. And we look to you, Lord God, and we lean upon you, Lord Jesus, because we understand one thing, Lord, that we can't trust in the arm of flesh. We can't trust in human ability. We can't trust in chariots and in horses, Lord God. We can't trust in a, another king, Lord, or another war to uh, uh, bring warfare against our enemy but in Jesus name we trust uh, in your name we trust uh, in you we lean upon you Lord God Uh, hallelujah because you're worthy you're trustworthy Lord Uh, hallelujah thank you Jesus for being so good to us Uh, thank you for blessing us with so many blessings Lord we're grateful to you Lord you're the king of kings and lord of lords and we praise you Jesus Uh, hallelujah one last time before you're seated clap your hands and praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. And you may be seated. I want to give you a little background for this passage that we read in Scripture. You can follow along carefully just for a moment with me. The story is the time when Israel, the children of Israel, were living in a divided kingdom. In the north was Israel, in the south was Judah. The north represented around 10 tribes. The southern part represented the two tribes. Now what happened was, obviously after the kingdom was divided, there were good kings and bad kings, but predominantly bad kings and queens that led both Israel and Judah. See, there were two separate uh, dynasties now. Everybody with me? Two separate dynasties And when I say bad kings, I don't mean they were disorganized or they were ineffective. I mean that they ceased worshiping Jehovah and reestablished idolatry, groves and high places, places of false worship. And then uh, God's judgment would come. Perhaps there would be a king that would rise up to clean up, tear down the high places and all the places of false worship and reestablish Jehovah worship. Now, this is the context, okay? Hezekiah is a good king in the southern kingdom of Judah. A good king. Everybody say good king. In the northern kingdom is not a good king, and Israel is not a good king at this time. And what happened, it was a pivotal point in history, is there was a large conquering nation called Assyria. And Assyria was gobbling up territory and taking over kingdoms around it, sort of a world power of that time. And they had successfully a few years prior to the story that we read, came and set up armaments against Samaria and Israel. Remember, Samaria was the capital of Israel. Jerusalem's the capital of Judah. All right, everybody's still with me? Okay, so the king at that time, uh, I believe his name was Shalmaneser, was the name of the king at this time of Assyria. He comes and destroys and attacks the nation of Israel, conquers Samaria, the capital, and takes the people of Israel away captive. Now, the significance of this event is historically, from that point on, Israel as a nation ceased existing and never came into existence again. Those 10 tribes, if you would, of Israel were diffused into the greater populace of the world, and you can't find them today. 
You can't find them today. So it was significant because these people of promise were taken over by the Assyrians who effectively pulled them out of their homeland and caused their lineage to cease and their traditions to cease. They left a little remnant there that intermarried with Assyrians and they became the Samaritans that we read about in Scripture that the Jews referred to as half-breeds or dogs, if you would. So then after they had established Assyria's power over Israel, then, secondly, there was a new king that came to power whose name was Sennacherib. He came to power over this great conquering world force called Assyria and decided that he wanted not only Israel, but this new king wanted Judah as well, which represented uh, tribes of Judah and Benjamin and portions of the tribe of Levi. And their capital city was Jerusalem. And the sons of David were still reigning in Jerusalem, one of which his name was Hezekiah. I believe it was in the 17th year of Hezekiah's reign that Sennacherib and the Assyrians came in to Judah and began to attack and surround the walled cities. During this time, they had walled cities where the people that lived in the countryside and the community, whenever attacking the marauding armies or bands would come, they would come into the walls of the cities and be protected. And so the Assyrians came down and they surrounded each of these cities. And finally they surrounded and came up against the city of Jerusalem. When they came to Jerusalem, Hezekiah, the king, recognized the enemy and said, what am I going to do here? I've got a problem. So he tried to negotiate with the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, said, can I pay you money, basically, to leave me alone? Have I done anything to make you mad or disrespect you? I'm sorry. And I'll pay you money to get you off of my back. And so the king Sennacherib required of him that he would pay a tribute in order so that he would not destroy the city of Jerusalem and would back off. In order to pay this tribute, Hezekiah had to collect all the gold that he could. And he had to go into the house of the Lord, the temple of Jehovah. And he had to cut the gold off from around the doorposts. And he took all the gold from the temple and he used this as a tribute to try to pay off the enemy. Amen. Now, there's a message there that we're not going to preach. Sometimes the kingdom of God will try to get the enemy to back off by surrendering territory and by giving things up. But uh, there he thought he had appeased this king of Assyria named Sennacherib. But Sennacherib still wanted Jerusalem. This conquering urge caused him to want this former world city for his own. So he established armaments against it again. Hezekiah sent men to the walls of the city, the walls of Jerusalem, where it was surrounded by soldiers, where they were cutting off and pinching off the flow of supplies. And he sent some men out to try to negotiate with the leaders of the armies that Sennacherib had sent to attack Jerusalem. He said, what can we do? Uh, what is it that can be done? And the three men that came from uh, Sennacherib said basically sent out a threat against them and said, you must pay us more tribute and you don't need to trust uh, any in anything else. And as we read through the passage today, it says, I don't know why you guys are coming out here with such confidence. We've got you surrounded. We've got superior armament, superior horses. If you'd pay us money, we would give you horses, but you don't even have warriors to ride on the horses. And they were basically taunting. Assyria was taunting God's people. He said, I don't know 
why you're so confident or who you think that you're trusting in. If you're trusting in Egypt to come help you, that's a bad, bad uh, thing to do. Because when you lean on Egypt, it's like leaning on a post and the post is going to go through your hand. It's a bad thing to trust in Egypt, uh, uh, Sennacherib said. And if you, you say you're trusting in God, you see, he didn't understand about Jehovah, obviously. He said, uh, how can you trust in God when your king has torn down all the idols in the high places and said you can only worship at the temple in Jerusalem? How can you trust in a God that you've offended by tearing down all of his symbols? I don't know who it is that you are trusting in. I don't know who it is that you're putting your confidence in. And if it is this Jehovah God, God that you're putting your trust in, he began to speak in the language of Hebrew, amen, to all the people that could hear on the wall and over, and he began to shout out, don't let Hezekiah trick you into trusting Jehovah, don't let Hezekiah trick you into trusting your God, because you're going to be defeated, the story goes on, he sent a letter to Hezekiah, more threatenings, more intimidation, there was fear, the, the, the three men that went out to negotiate came back and tore their clothing. Uh, Hezekiah took the letter and laid it out on the bed and prayed to the Lord, said, Lord, I need an answer. What should I do at this point? Uh, I'm trusting in you. I'm not trusting in horses. Uh, I'm not trusting in chariots, uh, but I'm trusting in the name of the Lord our God. They've got superior armaments, no question. They're in a superior position strategically, no question, amen? And all of their threats could come true, but God, I am trusting in you. And God sent a message to Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, which says, don't worry, put your confidence and your trust in me because I'm going to fight against this army. Number one, number two, this king that is breathing out threatenings against Jehovah is going to be dead in just a few days. You don't have to worry. I'm going to take care of him. Amen. The Bible says that as they were breathing out threatenings, as they were encamped around Israel, that an angel of the Lord was loosed in the middle of the night and went out with a sword and slew not one Hebrew man had to pull out a sword, but they slew 185,000 of the Assyrians overnight. When King Sennacherib saw this, and he also heard, you're being attacked back on the home front, kings of Ethiopia, he turned and ran back to Assyria. And when he got to Assyria, the Bible says he went to his temple to worship his false god. And while he was in the temple, Worshipping his false god, his own sons came in and killed him on the spot. So the point is, this whole story, the question to Hezekiah and the children of Israel was, who are you trusting? And is it a wise decision to put the trust where you have put it? Is it wise to trust or to lean on a god that you cannot see? A God that you maybe have never heard his voice. A God that you uh, uh, can't see a replication or an image of. Is it wise to lean? This is what trusting is. Trusting is leaning. That's why he said, uh, if you lean on Egypt, your hand will be pierced through. When he says trust, he means to lean or to put confidence on. And uh, the word of God here indicates that Hezekiah determined, I'm not going to trust in my ability. I'm not going to trust in another army. I'm not going to trust in the chariots of Egypt or the horses of Egypt. uh, But I'm going to put my trust uh, in God. Amen. I'm going to put my trust. Trust in Jehovah. 
Sometimes it's hard for us as human beings to trust in God. It's difficult. The reason is we've learned throughout our whole life to trust in material things. If we want to build something or make something or create something, we know I've got to have the right components first. I've got to have the right materials. Ladies, if you're going to make a dress, you've got to have the materials. You've got to have the thread needles. You've got to have the sewing machine. You've got to have the materials and the tools to make it happen or a credit card. Amen. But the point is in our brain, it goes, it's, it thinks this way. I can't do this task unless I have enough materials, unless I have the right things, unless I have what I need. I've got to have enough. And if we go into a construction project, we know that there's a certain amount of wood that we'll need, of concrete, of steel, of shingles and PVC pipe, electrical wire and wall boards and nails and screws and bricks and mortar and the tools, the hammers, the saws, the trowels, the equipment, all of these things we figure beforehand that we need in order to create, in order to build, in order to make something. So our mind is conditioned to believe that an accomplishment requires the appropriate materials for the task. We cannot do anything unless we have the right things that we need to make it happen. But God works differently than we work. And sometimes He works best when it seems like the situation is impossible. Sometimes He works most profoundly and in a way that's most noticeable when the materials are not in place. When what you need, the resources or not there. Amen. Look at what God needs in order to work a miracle. There was a famine in the land. The Bible says Elijah was there and he could have starved, but God chose a little raven to feed him. Amen. He chose a widow woman to feed him. We as human beings like to see what are the materials? How are we going to make this happen? What's the physical formula to make this happen? But God says the materials for a miracle, what it takes to do the supernatural are not what human beings would think. Amen. Another story in Scripture. I just want to use the Bible here to reinforce what I'm saying. The story of Elijah. I'm sorry, Elisha, when Samaria was tightly shut up by the Syrians, not the Assyrians, but the Syrians. And at that point of seizure, it reached a point where a donkey's head would sell for 80 pieces of silver or for 50 bucks because the people were starving. And a pint of dove's dung would sell for five pieces of silver or three bucks for manure, so to speak, that people were eating. And they reached the point where mothers would make an agreement. We'll kill your baby and eat it today and then kill my baby and eat it tomorrow. It was an impossible situation. They were starving. There was no hope. There was no way out. Uh, Elisha gave a prophecy to the king that said, tomorrow, tomorrow, it's going to be different. Tomorrow, you'll be able to buy two gallons of flour for a dollar. And you'll be able to buy four gallons of barley for a dollar. Amen. That's the difference. Uh, $80 for a donkey's head one day. Tomorrow, two gallons of flour for a dollar. And the king said, that's impossible. Because from human perspective, even 
if God, he said, even if God opened the windows of heaven and poured out blessings from the sky, it's not going to happen. And uh, the man of God says, if you don't believe that it's going to happen, then you're not going to eat any of it. Amen. And the story goes that God made it happen. Amen. God made it happen. But what did God use to make it happen? Did he use the armies of Egypt? Did he use the Hittite army? Did he use a plague or fire from heaven? Those of you that know your Bible know that God used four miserable, broken down lepers to stumble into the camp of the enemy. And when the enemy heard the sounds of these lepers approaching, they turned one against another and they ran and they figured, hey, he must have hired another army. And they ran and they spoiled the tents as a result. But that king who would not trust in God was trampled underfoot as the people left the walls to enjoy the food that was available for them. The story of Gideon in Scripture. Gideon said, I'm poor in Manasseh and I'm least in my father's house. God says, I'm going to use you to bring about a great victory. But Gideon, you're not going to use a sword. You're not going to use... uh, any of the typical traditional methods of warfare to win because you need to learn to trust in God. The materials for your miracle are pitchers, trumpets, and lamps. That's not hardly warfare materials. Pitchers, pitchers, trumpets, and lamps. These were the materials for the battle. These were the materials for a miracle. But I want to look at this story just a little closer. Judges 7 and 2 says, The Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. I want you to notice what happens here. Gideon gathers together a group of men. says, We're going to go fight against the enemy, the Midianites. Amalekites who've come and set battle array and are destroying and making a mess of our kingdom and stealing our increase. It's what the enemy likes to do. The enemy likes to wait until we begin to make progress. Then he wants to steal the progress because not only does he keep us from moving forward, but number two, he demoralizes us. This was what was happening in Israel during this time. The time of Gideon is that they would plant their crops. The crops would begin to grow was almost harvest time. Then the Midianites would come against them and steal, steal the, the uh, fruit of the ground. And they demoralized the, the children of Israel. And so Gideon said, we're going to take, we're going to get these men together. God has directed me and prompted me and given me a clear word. Even though I didn't believe I was the man for the job, I felt I was too weak. I felt I was insignificant. God is saying, go in this my might. I'm going to be with you. So he got all these men together. And he said, let's go fight the battle. And God says, it's too many. And I'm sure Gideon's scratching his head. I got all these men together and we're still less than the host of Midian because they're like grasshoppers for multitude. There's thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands down there. I've got this number of men and God, you say it's too many? What do you mean? God says it's too many because if this many go out to battle and you win, then Israel's going to say, look what we did. Look how powerful we were. Look how active we were in battle. And we saved ourselves. God never wants us to be able to say we saved ourselves. God never wants us to claim. Come on. 
God never wants us to claim credit for revival. God doesn't want us to be able to claim credit for a move of God. God doesn't want us to be able to claim credit for what only He can do and what He wants to do in our midst. And sometimes He's going to say, you've got too much. You're trusting in the arm of the flesh too much. You're not trusting in me, so I can't work for you, so I need to whittle it down just a little bit here. Amen? Come on now. There's too many. And he narrowed it down to only 300 men. No swords and no spears and no bows and no arrows. But 300 men and lamps and pitchers and trumpets went out to battle. See, God wants the battle. He said the battle's not yours. But the battle is the Lord's. He doesn't need your materials. He doesn't need the arm of the flesh. He doesn't need what we have to bring into the battle. See, I don't know if you've noticed it or not. But we are engaged in a battle with Satan. Life Church, we are engaged in a battle with Satan for the souls of men and women in the Pasadena and the San Gabriel Valley. The devil doesn't mind certain organizations moving forward. But he's not too happy when the church that declares and preaches the truth and actually sees divine deliverance in people's life begins to move forward. And whether he likes it or not, Life Church uh, is moving forward. Uh, and I have witnessed and I have seen a concentrated and focused attack of the enemy against the families and individuals of Life Church, uh, attacking you and me in our areas of vulnerability and trying to discourage uh, and to demoralize your families, uh, trying to tear apart your marriages, uh, trying to discourage your young people and your children, and trying to snatch souls from the hand of God. And I'm telling you here tonight, uh, this morning, that God wants to remind us that it's not by might, nor by power, nor by our ability, nor by our great music, or all the things that we have, that God's work is going to be done. But we've got to step back and realize uh, that God is going to work in our midst, but only when we get out of the way. And lean back and put our trust in God. Come on, some trust in their giftedness. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in programs. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in talent. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in marketing schemes. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Because we're not here in Pasadena to build an organization. Amen. We'd use different methods if that was our goal. We're here in Pasadena to build the kingdom of God. To build a church made up of people who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Whose lives have been changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. We've got to remember if we're going to do this, we got to trust in God. And when we begin to trust in what we can do and what we have, God steps back and says, Go ahead. Let me, just, let me just square with you right now. You and I cannot handle the devil. He is a formidable foe. He has tools and weapons that we don't have remedies against. Come on now. I'm talking about when counseling won't help. I'm talking about when a good book won't help. Come on now. I'm talking about when everything that we try falls short. And we realize we're not fighting against flesh and blood. 
So we can't use flesh and blood tactics to win. We're fighting against principalities and powers. Amen. Life Church, I warned you because I felt prompted of the Holy Ghost that spirit attack was coming because we determined to go forward, amen, as a church and build this building. We've been in the same building 60 years. uh, And as long as we stay here in this location, in this mentality, in the parameters and the framework of our faith that it's been for a long time, then we can just go along easily. But when we start to move forward, the enemy gets gets his attention. And he says, okay, I'm going to attack. I'm going to fight against you. I'm going to try to find your area of vulnerabilities. That's why I'm telling you, church, we can't afford to be carnal. We can't afford to be half-hearted about our relationship with God and about what God has called us to be. If you have ever had a prayer life, it's time to have a prayer life right now. If Come on, somebody. If you've ever been in the Word of God, right now is the time to get yourself into the Word of God because we're moving forward. And we don't move forward with talent or ability, but we move forward by trusting in our God. Hallelujah. He's a great king hallelujah hallelujah god doesn't need what we need five thousand people plus women and children men plus women and children fifteen thousand people they're hungry what are we going to feed them jesus said what do you got well we don't have near enough well we don't have anything all we can find is a little boy's lunch Five loaves and two fish. That's all we've got. He said, bring them to me. Because that's all that I need. Come on. It's impossible. It's not enough. I've been doing my equations. It's not going to work. There's no way. We can't even afford to give one scale off of a fish to every person in this place. And one crumb of bread to every person in this place. It's impossible. I've done the figure. And Jesus says, bring them to me. The Bible says everybody was filled. And they took home more than they started with. Because when God moves in, when you tr- how many believe that we still trust and believe and serve the same God that fed the 5,000 with the power, hallelujah, of His Spirit. And He's in our midst today. And He's told us and prompted us to go forward and he's just saying are you gonna trust me come on clap your hands if you trust the lord having the right materials having enough of the right stuff is not an issue for god you look in the bible and look at the materials he used for a miracle many times (laughs) the materials for a miracle Moses, just a rod, that's it, nothing else. David, just a sling, no fancy weapons, just a sling. Joshua, nothing but a shout, but that's all God needed. That was the materials that he needed, amen? Just somebody that would put their trust in him. Materials are not the issue with God. The issue with God is do you trust me? Are you willing to trust and put your confidence in me. I'm telling you, the Bible lets us know that whatever we do, we do it with all of our might. And the kingdom of God will not move forward without committed people. We've got to have committed people to make the kingdom of God move forward. But after we commit ourselves and put our heart wholeheartedly into the kingdom of God, we need to remember the battle's not ours, but the battle is the Lord's. And we need to put our trust in Him. We won't move forward without prayer. We'll move forward on our knees. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we move forward, we move forward on our knees. And I believe God is calling us afresh 
to understand that our power does not come from this earth. Our power does not come from our abilities, but our power comes from the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. Who will you put your trust in? Where will you place your trust? Second Kings 4 and 17. Story of the woman who had prepared a place for the prophet. She conceived and bare a son because Elisha had told her it would happen, and it happened. And the child was full grown. One day, it was out in the field. He was out in the field with his dad, and he fell, hurt his head. They brought him back to the house. He sat on her knees till noon, and then he died in her hands, this promised child. Verse 21, she went in and she laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. She called unto her husband and said, send me one of the young men, one of the donkeys that I can run to the man of God and come again, leaving her dead child. Leaving her dead child. And he said, wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. The Bible said her own, her child, her only child is up dead on a bed. She's going to find the man of God. And she says, it shall be well. Hallelujah. That's trust. Come on. That's leaning upon God. And so she went and came into the man of God and said unto him, he, uh, when he saw her, he said, Isn't that the Shunammite woman that prepared us a place? Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with you? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And she answered, It is well. How's your son? It is well with my child. You're saying, but you're not telling the truth. I'm not lying. I'm speaking in faith. Come on, and I'd rather lie in faith than tell the truth in doubt. Come on, I'm not talking about fabricating or lying, but I'm talking about speaking things that be not as though they are. Hallelujah. There's an attack. There's a tragedy. There's a terrible thing that's gone on. It is well. Amen. Because I believe and I'm putting my trust in the one that is able. I'm putting my confidence. Come on. In the one that is able. When it looks like it's an impossible situation. When it looks like there is no way out. This woman somehow had learned to trust in God. And that's what God is wanting us to do. That's what God is wanting you and I to do. Hallelujah. To learn to put our trust in the Lord some trust in humanity some trust in having all the answers she didn't have the answers but she was trusting in the Lord God Almighty hallelujah that's how Abraham was able to go up to the mountaintop in confidence with Isaac to offer him on a sacrifice because he trusted God knowing that God could raise him up hallelujah 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 I've determined that I'm going to trust in the Lord. I've determined that I'm going to trust in the Lord Jesus. I've determined at Life Church it's time for us to put our confidence and our trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. It's time for us to put our trust in the Lord. When the Holy Ghost was poured out uh, in the book of Acts chapter 2, as the Sunday school talked about today, it wasn't poured out uh, because of great talent. Uh, It wasn't poured out because of great 
ability. It wasn't poured out because people had great educations or they were skilled at manipulating crowds. But the Spirit of God was poured out because people realized we're not here to try to accomplish anything. We're here to wait for the promise of God. We're here to wait for the promise of the Father. And in one day, 3,000 were added to the kingdom of God because they knew how to trust in the Lord. Fast forward 2,000 years, almost 1,900 years uh, to when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Azusa Street in Los Angeles. Uh, you've heard the stories before. They didn't have talented singers. Uh, they didn't have any musical instruments in the church. Uh, they didn't come together with a well-executed plan to try to impress people that came by. All they had was the raw presence of the living God in their midst. Uh, and God began to pour out His Spirit, uh, miracles begin to happen. Blind eyes begin to be open. Crippled kids and babies came out of wheelchairs. Supernatural and powerful things begin to happen. I want to remind us, God says there's too many. You need to get out of the way if you want me to work. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. As long as you're fighting the battle, then God will let you go and you'll be defeated. But Life Church, if we will stand up and boldly declare, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Not greater am I than he that's in the world, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I wonder if we could stand to our feet right now and worship and praise the Lord. Let's let the Lord move right now. Come on, let's just let the Lord move.
I know you're wondering, what are you going to do, Brother Brown? I'm, I don't have any plans right now. We, we don't need another service today. We need God to step in this place. I don't have a plan. God's going to move in this house right now. Come on, let God arise. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. This is what it's all about. This is what we're here for.
Hallelujah. I release you to minister as the Spirit of the Lord leads you right now. Hallelujah. Come on, you got a situation. You don't have an answer for it. You need to ask God to let His Spirit arise. This is what needs to happen. Hallelujah.
Come on, let God arise. Oh. Come on, either God is who He says He is and He can do what He says He can do or it's not the truth. And I believe it's the truth. I'm trusting in Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, 
that his enemies be scattered. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, rain down on us, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, like a mighty wind blow through this house, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Pour your spirit out, Lord God. Renew, Lord Jesus, those that need renewal, Lord God. Restore those that need restoration, Lord God. Our trust is in you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We lean on you, Lord, for the things that we need, dear God. Hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, God, you're great and greatly to be praised, King of kings. Hallelujah, and the Lord of lords, and Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. And amen, amen, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. As a church, we've got to, we've got to let God move in this manner. Because as soon as we hit a critical mass of people, more people are uncomfortable with this than there are that are comfortable with this then it stops happening and we can only depend on the arm of the flesh, which will come up short. And so I'm sorry, but for the next few weeks, we've shut down the music program. We're shutting it all down. We're going to come to the house of the Lord and we're going to anticipate a move of God like they did in the old days. We're just going to come. We're going to hunger and thirst. We're, we'll have an opening song and, and uh, get everybody joined together and worship. But, uh, but it's time for us to be serious. Amen. It's time for us to push aside all the production and the show. And let's have a move of God. Shake us to a foundation. Amen. We need, 
a move of God in our church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To stop the drift and to get us focused and on track spiritually again from the top to the bottom, all of us. Amen. Hallelujah. We need a move of God's spirit. I'm ready to see some miracles happen again in Life Church. I said, I'm ready to see some miracles happen again at Life Church. You think God's powerful enough? Anybody thinks God's big enough? Anybody believe God still does these kinds of things? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you don't produce miracles. You don't gather together the, miracle, the, the materials that you think to make the miracle happen. God says you got too much. Get it out of the way. Let me move. Amen. Let me just take what you have and all. And when we come into the house of the Lord in Life Church, you know what? This church, I want it to be characterized. That in the middle of a well-planned service, the Holy Ghost can break in and take control. And we step back and take our hands off and say, Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours. We just want a, a move of the Spirit. If I'm in the middle of a sermon, if I've got notes to go through and the Spirit of God wants to move, I'll tear my notes in little tiny pieces and let the Spirit of the Lord move in this place. Amen? Because that's what it's about. It's about having God's presence in our midst. Because if we don't have it, then we don't anything we're just like any other church amen i said we're just like any other church just with maybe a little bit more upbeat or exciting music but our plan and our goal is to be a place where god shows up and god will show up where we make room for him god will show up where we allow his glory to be made manifest amen praise the lord praise the lord Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, as long as I'm pastor of this church, we're going to have moves of God. Whatever the cost is, we're going to have moves of God. We're going to have a demonstration of God's power and of His Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And if you're not comfortable with that, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but that's what this church is about. That's what the kingdom of God was founded upon. That's where we're going forward. We're going forward as ordained and ordered by the Spirit. It may not be as easy to handle. It may not be as easy to package. It may not be appealing to some people. But when God moves in, chains begin to fall off. People begin to be delivered. Hallelujah. People that are sick can be healed when the raw presence of God begins to move. And I feel, hallelujah, that God is leading all of us to posture ourselves in that direction and he's going to give church, life church a breakthrough amen i said he's going to give life church a breakthrough and then sister rose one of her grandchildren is uh, going to be baptized here in just a moment but sister rose you and sister jackie i'm commissioning you right now short short notice We've, we're going to pull together a, a 40-day prayer and fasting chain here at Life Church uh, to kick off next Sunday, and uh, they'll have something for us to sign up uh, so that uh, for the next 40 days, somebody in Life Church every single day will be fasting. Somebody will be praying. Amen. Things will be moving. Things will be shaking in the spirit realm. Amen. We saw it happen, didn't we, earlier this year? God began to do great and, and mighty things. Hallelujah. School's about to start. We're going to be doing a sermon series later in the year. We want God's anointing and favor and power to be loosed in our church. I said to be loosed in our church. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. I think. Uh, praise the Lord.
And we're glad to have Mario Vanessa and the children with us here, uh, visiting for a couple weeks this summer. And uh, last Sunday, Joseph, is it? Joseph almost received the Holy Ghost last week on Sunday. And his brother and sister received the Holy Ghost here last year, a year ago. And we're excited about what God's doing in this family. Amen. And we're going to pray with them. Hallelujah. Brother Donnie, I want you to lead us. Father, we thank you for this awesome opportunity, God, that you've given us, God, to baptize Joseph today, God. God, for the remission, for the remission, for the washing away of all his sins, God. We just pray for Joseph right now, God, that you would use this young man for your kingdom. Use him for your glory, God. Let him be a light in world, God, this dark and sinful world, God. Let him be used by God, Lord Jesus, for the rest of his life, God. God, give him a heart that's tender towards your presence, God. A heart, God, that has a zeal for the things of God and for the word of God. We pray, God, just use him in a mighty way, Jesus. God, anoint his, anoint his thoughts, anoint his feet, anoint his words, God. God, give him direction, Lord Jesus, that he needs, God, so that he can be an instrument, God, in the Father's hands, we pray, God. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing today, Lord. In your name, amen, amen. Joseph Reyes, that you have repented of your sins, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins. Thank you, Jesus, right now, God. Lord, we worship you. That's it, Joseph. Just reach out to Jesus. You've been washed in his blood. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I will bow down. Yes, and I will follow 
starts at five o'clock and the service is at six god bless you you're dismissed in the name of the lord i'll look forward to seeing you at prayer seven o'clock wednesday evening you're dismissed in the name of the lord